Welcome to Disarming Persuasion, the podcast for sales and business leadership professionals. My name is Dave Rosenberg, and I am the founder and principal at Locked On Leadership, a consulting firm with a mission to replace Thank God It's Friday with Thank God It's Monday. With me is my co-host, a man who can literally teach sales with one hand tied behind his back, Darren Cecil. Filling in for Darren, the amazing Anne Bonnie. And what are we going to talk about today? Let's talk about disappointment, Dave. Oh, man, that just bums me out, though. Is that really all we got? I thought you were going to be disappointed. <laughs> no, but when you talk about persuasion, like disappointment's a serious part of dealing with trying to persuade people, whether it's sales or leadership or life in general, disappointment's a daily part of the game. Yeah. I mean, in fact, I would guess, I don't have any statistical data on this. It'd be interesting if, I don't even know if there's studies or not, but that probably certainly in sales, right. They, they say, if you're, um, if you're winning three out of 10, you, you, you're killing it. And, and the only sport, the only other time I know where, you know, batting 300 is a uh, hall of fame is baseball, right? <laughs> yeah. So you don't we make talk it all, about a disappointment, right? You don't make it on base seven out of 10 at bats. That's one way of looking at it, you yeah. know, right. And, and journeymen just sort of hitters who are, uh, who are just producing, but not, not superstars. They're two out of 10, you know, two and a half out of 10. Yeah. Right. You're never going to get to that expert status without hitting one out of 10, two out of 10 or less. Right. Yeah. And, and they say, yeah, Babe Ruth, that is, you know, not only did he have the strikeout, uh, the, the home run record, but he had the strikeout record at the same time. Right. Right. You got a swing to hit. Yeah. So from a persuasion perspective, and we'll, we'll get deep into this, you know, a little bit, I think. But so from sales, obviously, you have to be able to deal with disappointment. You know what? I, I would argue that, that it's not that you have to deal with disappointment. I think you have to right size your expectations, right? Wow. So you have to deal with rejection, but your actual disappointment comes from your attachment to the outcome, right? And, and your expectation of a certain outcome. Like if I'm expecting th- two out of 10 and I get three out of 10, Bada bing, I'm drinking champagne, right? Hey, you're 50% better than you expected. I'm amazing, right? But if my expectation is nine out of 10 and I'm hitting three out of 10, I'm going to be living in disappointment. So I think it's that in sales, you have to be ready for rejection and your expectations around that will dictate how much disappointment you end up in. So that resonates me on so many different levels and like, one of the things I know in my sales career that I always strive to do was with my prospects is manage their expectations. Yes. Right. And, and the best salespeople I know do just that. They're not afraid of saying, no, this won't work or no, we can't do that. No, this is not reasonable. Right. Really bad ones. Yes, yes, yes. To everything. Give me the deal. And yeah. then they fall short. You lose the relationship. You lose a relationship, you lose trust, you know, yeah. you, you lose your soul uh, at some <laughs> level. And I never really thought about, we also have to manage our own expectations. And that's what I love about this, right? Because we're now being consistent. What do you mean by that? Right. So we're, <clears throat> we're in alignment. So we're, we're aligning 
not only do I expect you, if you're my prospect, I want to manage your expectations, but it's the same skill for myself. I'm just turning it inwards, right? So now I just, I become consistently managing expectations, right? And it becomes so much easier when you do it all the time. Yeah. If I have unreasonable expectations, I'm going to let you get away with unreasonable expectations as a prospect. Yeah. Yep. It's holding to the standard. It's knowing really what we're really talking about is knowing boundaries at a, at a real, when you really boil it down. Well, and realism. Yeah. yeah. And so, and leadership becomes the same thing, right? If, if you, if, if you're one of my team members and you come to me and say, Hey, I need to get this thing done. I'm going to get it done like in 10 minutes. And I'm like, this is a five week project. What are you talking about? Right. And I don't, manage that expectation with you where everyone's going to be disappointed. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I'm a little disappointed because I think we just ran out of show. Well, and- no, no. So, so no, because the second part of that is because you just talked to, we're kind of at like managing expectations 2.0, but at 1.0, it is managing disappointment so that we understand how to level set our expectations. So what do we do when we are disappointed, when we weren't able to get ahead of it, manage our own expectations. There was a gig we were really excited about getting or a sale. We were really excited about selling. That was huge. It was going to make all the difference. It was going to make our 2022. And all of a sudden we didn't get it. How to now do we deal with that? Yeah. And I think honestly, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things you could take from that, but one of the, for me, one of the most important tools is having a solid system, whether it's in sales or leadership, but having a system that's replicatable because it gives me the ability to analyze. And, and, and I'll do a sales case in point here. I, I recently lost or, or didn't get, right? Because you don't lose something you don't have. Right. right? And, and, and maybe, and so there's a whole conversation here around languaging, which we probably should table, not table, perhaps have today, but there's a whole lot languaging conversation here. But there was a, 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 a gig with a, 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 an association. I had great rapport with the uh, event planner. She wanted me, she wanted to recommend me. And then at the very end, She's like, oh, and I had sent her a proposal and I know I had my pricing in there. And, but that was months ago. And then I get an email at the very end. She's saying, oh, you know, how much is you know, one hour keynote or whatever? And I, I remember I looked at my email. For, my first thought is pick up the phone, call, say, hey, let's have a conversation, right? And then I, I, I looked at my email. I'm like, oh, I sent her this stuff. So she should know this. And so I, I replied with my number. Yep, you got a ghost. Crickets. <laughs> Crickets. Crickets. I'm like, she had been so good about calling me back and so good, of, you know, and all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, I blew it. And I was so pissed and bummed. Like, I blew it, I blew it, I blew it, I blew it, I blew it. I was, yeah, I, I, all this unreasonable. And then with the help of, um, help of a coach, they made me realize that what I was really upset with was me you didn't follow your system i didn't follow my system which meant frankly i wasn't i i I was out of i wasn't being congruous with myself i wasn't being authentic because my system is built around what works for me Uh 
right? And as soon as I deviated, I actually wasn't being me, right? And, and I'm a person, I want, I want this, I want the conversation, you know? I want the give and take. Hey, I want to, I'm look, always looking for the win-win. So, you know, you can't do that by email. Right, right. They lose that personal touch. Right. Yeah. And, and so, you know, that was hard. It was a hard lesson to learn. I've been doing this for, well, more than 30 years. Yeah. I still, every now and then, you know, rub, rub against that. Well, and I think that's an important thing to remember, you know, and I, I have a very different answer than you in dealing with this appointment, I think, but I think that's a great one to be able to say, okay, wait a minute. I strayed from my system that I know works. I see maybe how that might've gone differently had I stuck to the system. And so it, it helps you not lose faith in yourself in the future and say, okay, Dave, stick to your system. Yeah. Absolutely. So how would you have dealt with it? So I don't necessarily have a set system. Now I do know that when I get on the phone, I have a much better close rate than when I email. Um, but I don't have that, uh, that repeatable system. I kind of do something different every time. So maybe that's something we should work on another podcast on. But for me, it's when I don't get that big thing that I'm excited about and I'm disappointed. I'm like, ah, what's going on? I call back to all the times that I was successful, that it did work, that people did like what I you know, offered, that they were super happy with what I delivered. And then I remind myself, it's not a no, it's a not now. Yeah. Because I just got a gig with another organization who I talked to three years ago and they canceled their event, but they were like, hey, I, hey I've kept you in my email list and I wanted to make sure that we used you eventually. And we're using, you know, I'd love to bring you in for this. And I just sent them a proposal the other day. So- you know, I always remember that. Okay. Like keep them on your list. It's not now, not no. Well, certainly um, in our business and speaking, that's absolutely the case, right? Because these events are periodic. Uh, you right. know, some associations have, uh, or organizations have more than one a year. Some have one a year, some have one every other year. It's still, it's going to come up again. Right. And so there's always tomorrow. I was, however, in my career in a uh, transactional business I was in telecommunications yeah it came up but the, the cycle was on average eight years people would replace a phone system which is what I was selling so in reality that's a one and done yeah and yeah. um so uh I, I guess where I'm where I'm going with this is that looking back and saying oh, it's not no it's not now yeah to a degree that exists but I think the other piece is looking back and going, you know what, I, I've closed knowing realistic numbers, right? So, you know, I, w- I don't remember what my closing rate was in telecom, but it, it, was, it was high, you know, 33, 34%, right? Which, as we said in the beginning, you could look at that and go, I'm losing 66%. But knowing that most people don't close 30%, right? And go, yep. okay. This was just, this one wasn't meant to be not being attached. You said this, not being attached to the outcome. And you know, the other thing, there's a, there's a famous quote, Dave, that let me make sure I get this right. You can't make everyone happy. You're not pizza. Ooh, I've never met anybody that isn't happy. Who doesn't like pizza? I mean, at least some kind of pizza. We got cauliflower crust. We got pepperoni. We got pineapple. I mean, anything you need, we could get you on a pizza. But I'm not pizza. So I can't, I'm not going to get every 
every job, every gig, every sale. And that's the other thing that I remind myself of. Right. And even if you are pizza, I mean, that's such a big generic thing, right? Like you you can be pepperoni pizza, but they're looking for Hawaiian. You know, it doesn't mean pepperoni is bad. It just means they have a taste for Hawaiian. Today's not day for pepperoni. Yeah. Now, mushrooms are a whole nother story. Nobody wants mushrooms. What? It's fungus. I love mushrooms. It's a fungus. You know that. Yeah. There's a fungus among us. Yeah. Actually, no, I've got the one that I, they, they, here's the topping that nobody wants, but they still make. It's anchovies. Oh, yeah. Nobody wants that. But yet they offer it. We should invite your audience. If somebody wants anchovies, we should give them a copy of our books. You got it. But they right. have to send us a video of them eating anchovy pizza. I like it. I like it. Okay, you've heard it, folks. You will get a copy of Locked On Leadership, the Tactical Business Guide to Creating a Culture of Consistency, Courage, and Caring, as well as Anne's book. Get over it with 47 tips for embracing the discomfort of change and get them over it with 57 tips for helping your team to embrace the discomfort of change. And then you could use that to help your friends embrace the discomfort of change as they learn to like anchovy. On their yeah. <laughs> or as you learn to like pizza toppings that aren't gross. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a legit offer, folks. So send us that video with your uh, mailing address and uh, we will send you a copy of our books. And, and, the, and all your family members have to be around you going, ew. <laughs> But seriously, speaking of disappointment. <laughs> uh, so. so so how about this, Dave? You know, one of the things we talked about before we started, what we just talked about was sort of those transactional disappointments, those little disappointments. You didn't get that sale. I didn't get that gig. Um, you know, I didn't hire that person, whatever. But then there's the big disappointments, the big disappointment about life, about your career choice, about, you know, where you suddenly look at life and you have that moment, you know, at usually 2.15 in the morning when you wake up and your partner is snoring away and it's dark out and nothing seems right, that you have that big moment of kind of (laughs) dread in your life and you have that doubt. What about those moments? What do you do then? I mean, I think the first thing you, you, you do, first thing I do is I just sit in it. Yeah, I, I really do. And I've learned, right, um, not to avoid it. And I think what's really important is just feel it without assessing it. In other uh-huh. words, don't judge it. Don't go, oh, I'm a loser. Oh, I made bad choice. Right? Just sit there and let yourself feel disappointed. Yeah. Seriously, let it wash over you. Yeah. You know? And, and I like to get curious about it too. I keep the judgment aside and say, what, what's going on here? Why do I feel this way? What are, you know, where is this coming from? What are, where, where might this be coming from? Is this right? Have I felt it before? Is this new? And just being really curious um, about all of those feelings, because sometimes it's just that moment where you're like, okay, everything isn't exactly where I want it to be right now. And I'm really scared and disappointed. And then other times you're like, okay, this is a bigger deal and it's time to make a move. Right. And, and I think that curiosity is really helpful because when you're curious, what's going on inside me? Okay. What's the, what's, what's causing this? You know, yeah. like you said, have I seen it before under what conditions, right? Is this a pattern, right? How similar is this to the last time I felt this way? Or is this the first time I felt this way? I, yeah. What, whatever. 
and and you do it without judging. In other words, not, without saying, I feel bad. I'm a loser. This sucks. Right. Just, just like I should feel grateful. I should be happy about this. Yep. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, that is phenomenal right there because you hear so much. You listen to like Brene Brown and everybody with the gratitude and, and all this other. And I'm not saying it's not legit. It is legit in its time and place. Right. Right. But when you're in that funk, you're not, you're not going to feel grateful right away. But if you let that, um, let those feelings go through you, be curious about them. You'll sort of process them. And at some point they just sort of mute out. And then you, then, then, then it's time to go. You know what? Wait a second. Things aren't quite as dark as I think they are. Right. The other thing that has always helped me is looking at the last time I felt that way and then seeing a month, a week, two weeks, three weeks, whatever it is down the road. I recognized you, and I say years ago, decades ago, as as a teenager, I remember, you know, we all have those transitory moments of, of just, you know, down cycles. Yeah. But, but I knew for whatever reason, first time I write, I'm like, wait, wait a second. I know if not tomorrow, the day after I'm going to wake up and the sun is going to be shining. I'm going to feel on top of the world. I don't know why. I don't know why I'm the, back then I was really not introspective. So I, I have no idea why I'm feeling down right now. That's where the curiosity comes in. Yeah. But, but I also know that this too shall pass. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the cool thing, like you said, about sitting in it, feeling it, getting curious about it, asking questions about it, rather than just blowing it off with all your, oh, I should be fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, is that you start to be able to look at it from the outside as well. You, once you felt it and you, you say, okay, I accept this moment as a really dark place to be able to step away from it and say, okay, where's this? And, and ask all those curiosity-based questions to be able to look at it as a scientist you know, to be able to take the emotion out for a sec, even though you're living in that emotion because you feel like crap, but looking at it as a scientist to say, what, what is going on here? Where are the patterns? Is this just a down moment or am I, have I felt this a whole bunch of times? I mean, and Davey and I have talked about my romantic relationship a lot and I've, I've felt these dips and dips. And finally I got to another dip and I was like, wait a sec, this isn't just a downtime. This is me ignoring problems and then realizing them and ignoring them and then realizing them to the point where we needed to make a shift. And that was that moment where I realized I got to make a change rather than this is just a downside, but being able to back away from it and look at it as a scientist and look at those patterns really helps you to see it from multiple angles. Yeah, absolutely. And and in fact, let me add one more because, and this goes back to our conversation around me and you know what I sort of recently been going through um, is I also take a look at people who I trust. This is important, or people who who know you well, and look at yourself through their eyes. Mm. Oh right? yes, right. Allow them to be your mirror, and and I don't mean. I mean I get that. You know we all try and keep stuff inside that, you know, we're a hundred percent, we don't wear everything on our sleeves, but, but the people who know you that well, the people where you are that vulnerable to, and this, by the way, we, we've talked about vulnerability before. This is where the value of vulnerability is because if you allow yourself to be vulnerable with people and then they, then you look through their eyes and you go, wait a second, they see more than I see at the moment. Right. And it's, it's yeah. at the moment. 
Yep. And you go, wait a second. I, I have to trust their vision at some point because I trust them. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that fascinates the heck out of me is who other people see us as. And I think who you look at the mirror as, who you look who you use as your mirror is a really important piece of this because it does have to be somebody who sees you as you and sees you as your possibility and your potential, not somebody who sees you as, you know, the almighty amazingness or the almighty crapness, you know, (laughs) because there are certainly people out there in the world who are like, and body, not so much, or the other way around. Like the the typical, your mom who may, See you for all your all, all your amazingness and is completely oblivious right to the crappiness then there's other parental i i was at a uh, i was at a uh a, a, a kickboxing uh competition once as a spectator a friend of mine he's 40 41 years old decided to turn pro wow was fighting a 21 year old oh it was funny when, when we were talking about like how he was going to be announced um, I, I came up with a couple nicknames for him. I wanted him to be, you know, one and done, you know, oh. he only wanted to do this once. It wasn't like a career, but he was like, we wanted to fight one pro bout. He had been fighting for, for decades at this point, amateur, right? It's a one and done or call him, you know, Brian, the geriatric, you yeah. know, <laughs> the great geriatric guinea. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to make a good word out of that. It didn't yeah. work. So at, at any rate, we're, a bunch of us are at this fight. And sitting in front of us is a dad, a father and son. Son was, I'm guessing, about 10 years old. The kid came with a couple of hot dogs with mustard. Dad had a white shirt on. Kid tripped, mustard all over the white shirt. Dad started berating him. You loser. You this. Oh, no. Like, we're like, hey, that's not going to fly. You know what? You know, and, you know, we were not going to let him do that to his kid, at least in front of us. Yeah, right obviously if there's somebody like that in your life you don't want to use them as your mirror either right exactly so it's somebody you trust somebody you can be vulnerable you've been vulnerable with you know you've been vulnerable with so they see you you believe they see the full you yeah right and somebody you know isn't lying right they're not going to be to themselves or to you right and 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 then how do they see me and then ask yourself what why Right. And again, getting curious about that, saying, what are they seeing? What do they yeah. see? Is that really there? Well, yeah, it actually is. Huh. Don't judge their assessment. Be curious about it. Yeah. And what I always say about self-esteem and no, uh, you know, understanding yourself and believing in yourself is that we know too much. We know all the times we've tripped with the mustard and said the stupid thing and sent the email quote instead of calling. We know every single time we got too drunk and we're too loud in the bar and we said stupid stuff, you know? And that's the problem. Nobody else has all that data. And so I, I love this looking at somebody else who honestly genuinely sees you, sees your warts, sees your glow, and is willing to say, you know what, you're, you're pretty awesome because all of that data isn't actually relevant to the picture of who you are right now. Right. And you see, we may see the screw ups. They see how we stepped up after Lesson. the screw up. Right. Right. They see that other side of us, that next step that we take, you know, yeah. and trust them. They're in right. your life for a reason. Yeah. 
and remind yourself of those things you've picked yourself up, you know, remind yourself of those things that they see and be like, oh yeah, that's right. You know, I say this a lot when I talk about persevering through change is look back and see how far you've come. Like when I think about who I was in March of 2020, or even last Tuesday, (laughs) you know, I mean, the things we learn and overcome and, you know, it's amazing. And, you know, growth is incremental and small. Yes. Right. right. And uh, we've talked, I've talked about this before. I think I've talked about with you, Anne. I know I've talked about this um, uh, with Darren, right? If you're only making 1% change a day, that doesn't sound like a lot. But here's the compounding effect of that, right? After How long would it take for you to change 100%? Only 100 days. Actually, only 70. Because what, we comp- take weekends off? Because it compounds. Oh, right. Right. Now, that's not the true beauty. So if, let's just give you a value of 100 on day zero, right? So day 70, your now value is 200, right? You've changed 100%, right? So whatever that, we're just going to call it a value of 200. 70 days later, so at only 140 days, that 200 became 400 because that's the new 100 baseline. 70 days later, okay, at 210, that 400 became 800. And we're not even at a year yet. Right. So small, tiny change has this powerful, powerful, constant change, has powerful, powerful effect. There's a saying, though, that, you know, you, I've heard you know, we have, uh, you know, a rearview mirror is smaller than our windshield for a reason, right? It's more important to look out in front than behind. Yes. But, and it's still important to look behind. Yeah, right. There is a rearview mirror for a reason. Right, right. And, and you need to stop and smell the roses, appreciate where you've been. You know, I, I look at my journey over the last year, and I'm not going to go into a lot of detail here. And I, and, and I seriously, and you know, when I was dealing with this crap the other night and I started thinking about how much I have been able to grow and change, how my business has changed, how my outlook has changed, how my vestige of, of what I'm working on right now is so exciting, you know, and I'm fired up for, and yeah. I was like, okay, wait a second, you know, By the way, folks, I think that's the other last takeaway, maybe not last, um, but I think an important takeaway is you're not alone out there. Everybody, I mean, everybody, I don't care how golden this person's life may look that you wish you're looking at going, God, they have, right? And I'll talk, and I have have the same coach. I think about our coach and, and, you know, she's very open with her journey. And you look at where she is today and you go, oh my God, just just she's so fabulous and then you you listen to her and what she's still dealing with today right we all go through this and that's the other thing you're not alone right and you know the thing that and i remember it was like 2012 driving by the panera on honeygo boulevard in bell camp maryland on my way to work i realized that nobody has it all figured out like there is such great comfort to me that nobody else knows if the next move that they make is right, that if that next thing that they're going to do is going to work out, if what they just did is going to work out, like nobody knows. And that's, there's such great comfort in that for me that, that we don't have it all figured out. Well, as I I was sharing with you again, before, before the podcast, you know, I I fell in love as a kid with the explorers and, you know, the, uh, you know, and put all the PC crap about, you know, how they destroyed the natives, right. You know, we could have that conversation. 
these were men, and it was at the time it was men, yep. who, who, who went out, sailed beyond the known world with nothing but the guts they have, you know, and the certainty that they had no idea what they were going to find. Not even sure that they weren't going to fall off the end. I mean, they didn't even know the earth was round at that point. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting that they actually, the, the intelligentsia in 1492, you know, uh, when Columbus sailed the ocean, ocean blue, blue right? <laughs> whatever, right? The intelligentsia knew the earth was round, but yeah. Oh, okay. But I said, there's still people on YouTube who don't know it's round, Dave. I know we got flat earthers today, right? <laughs> there's always somebody who wants to make us feel better about ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you to them. Yes. So, but you know, it hadn't been proven, but there was some certainty to, you know, so, but, but you're right, but they still went on. I mean, again, you know, Columbus, as everybody knows, he didn't think he discovered a new continent. He thought he would fi- finally found a new route to the, to the, uh, to the uh, West Indies, you know, that's mm-hmm. right. It's the West Indies, you know, and, and uh, no, wasn't the case. And it took, but that's our life. We are all explorers. We're all to every the next minute the next second the next hour the next day the next year it's all a big mystery we have no idea what it's going to look like right that's kind of cool it is kind of cool it's terrifying and it's it's pretty cool because the and and the thing we forget to think about as humans is that unknown could be friggin' spectacular like it could be god only knows how amazing we don't we can't even imagine how amazing it could be i only you know and again, we look back, look in, look in the rearview mirror. I have been alive for six decades, you know, right? Just this is the first year of my seventh decade, right? What I can tell you with 100% certainty is each decade has been better than the one before. So I have no idea what the seventh decade holds. Bless you. She nice. She very nice. First, she used her little sneeze button there. Um, but <laughs> I, I have no idea what what the seventh decade holds, but what I can guarantee because our best predictor of future behavior is past events is that it will be absolutely mind blowing. Amazing. In yeah. a good and a great and a phenomenal way. Yep. Yep. I think that's a good place to end this podcast, Dave. All right. Well, let's, let's wrap it there. We can't go any better than that. Uh, I, thank you. And sometimes it's borrowing that belief, you know, and saying, all right, I'm going to go with that because I like that idea. Because, yeah. I mean, heck, you might as well. <laughs> a- absolutely. And since it's a choice we all get to make, why not choose that one? There you go. All right. Until next week, don't forget, send in pictures of you eating your anchovy videos. The anchovy I'm- pizza. That's <laughs> an anchovy video. It's I'll a send video you two books if you eat an anchovy video. <laughs> there you go. You'll get two from Ann and one from me. All right, guys, till next week. That concludes another episode of Disarming Persuasion. My name's Dave Rosenberg. And this is Darren Cecil. Visit our websites at LockedOnLeadership.com or DarrenCecil.com. Follow us on social media. You can find the links in the show notes. Remember, if they fail to make a decision, you failed to disarm them.